if a lot of my life is going to be my job, I want to do something meaningful with it and something that I will enjoy every day. And he's like, I know I'm putting in a lot of effort right now, but I know that in the future, I will enjoy every day that I go into work and not think about, okay, when am I going to get out? Welcome to the Physician Pharmacist Podcast, a show designed to shed some light on a very unusual pathway into medicine. I'm your host, Nathan Gartland. I'm a licensed pharmacist and fourth-year medical student. I'm also the author of PharmD to MD and the owner of the Physician Pharmacist Company. As this podcast has grown, we've had the tremendous opportunity to broaden our scope and explore other non-traditional pharmacy careers. The PharmD opens so many doors, and by listening in, you have the opportunity to learn from experts in the field on how to start your own journey today. Before we start with today's interview, I'd like to announce that we are actively searching for new guests to interview on the podcast. If you think you have a unique story or interesting life experience related to medicine, pharmacy, or business, please reach out for the potential to be a guest on the show. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Thakar. Dr. Thakar is a licensed pharmacist and first-year medical student at the Brody School of Medicine at East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. Prior to pursuing medical school, Dr. Thakar attended UNC Eshelman School of Pharmacy, where she obtained her pharmacy doctorate in 2023. Hey, Dr. Thakar, thank you so much for being on the, the episode today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. All righty. Well, we got a lot of questions to, to get through today. So um, we'll start things off with, can you share a little bit about your background and where you're from? Yeah. Um, so I'm born and raised from Cary, North Carolina, never left. And um, just a little bit of background. I grew up in Cary, uh, went to school in Raleigh, and then um, decided to stay for undergrad. I went to UNC Chapel Hill and I did the six-year accelerated pharmacy program. So that was two years of undergraduate pre-pharmacy uh, requisites and then four years of pharmacy school um, before now currently being a first-year medical student at the Brody School of Medicine. Awesome. And, and what got you started in pharmacy in the first place? Yeah. Um, so actually in high school, my job was um, working as a pharmacy technician at an independent pharmacy just close to home. And I really liked the connections that the pharmacists form with the patients. So I was working at an independent pharmacy. So it was a lot more personalized um, focus for each patient. Every time a patient came in, the pharmacist knew them by name, knew their entire family, would provide medications for their whole family. So it was a very personal connection that uh, the pharmacist had. And I really liked that um, relationship that the pharmacist um, had with every patient. And so I looked into it and I saw that um, at a local college, UNC, there was a direct pharmacy option. So um, in high school, I actually interviewed for the pharmacy school, um, which led me to get into the direct program. Um, and you could do two, three, four years of undergrad and then do four years of pharmacy school. I just decided to do two years um, and just do the pre-pharmacy um, classes. Wow, that's awesome. And, and UNC is like a top pharmacy program in the country, if not number one. I can't remember what the rankings were. So that's a, that's really cool that you were able to, to go to that top program. And mm -hmm. uh, given that, you also mentioned that you could do it in t two years and then three years of undergrad. So uh, what was the difference between like, those two pathways? Yeah. So um, with the two years versus three years, so the difference is that I don't have an undergraduate degree with two years. Mm -hmm. um, with three years, uh, I have 
like you could get a degree or four years. So um, I, my friends always joke that I have a doctor, but I don't have an undergraduate degree. So it's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. And that's certainly something that can, uh, I guess like applicants should be aware of the, those who are considering going to medical school. And we'll get into that in a little bit, uh, a little bit later, but, um, not having a bachelor's degree can be a challenge for sure. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So it's interesting because I went through the same pathway too. I did the two mm -hmm. plus four and I didn't have the, the bachelor's degree and that certainly hurt me in some different uh, ways. So, yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. It might've been, uh, I mean, we still ended up getting into med school, so it's uh, right, must've been worth right. it. <laughs> so anyway, so you were progressing through pharmacy school and what was pharmacy school like for you? It was a, it was very interesting. I think um, one being in a graduate level program at a young age, that was definitely a surprise. I'm sure maybe you felt the same way, um, just adjusting to a faster pace um, and also just being around people who are from all different walks of life. So I have a lot of friends who are older than me um, and did like multiple gap years or they worked versus me who just did two years of undergrad. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a bit of a shock at first to just adjust to the fast-paced environment while well, my other friends from college are still going through their degree and enjoying that. So uh, it was definitely at first a surprise, um, but after getting used to it, I think I realized um, how much I enjoyed the healthcare field, just working with people. And then we had for the UNC, um, I'm not sure how it is at every pharmacy school, we had um, two months of rotation every year, starting first year. So mm -hmm. first year, summer, two months of rotation, and then second and then third year and then fourth year is all rotation. So we were already in the clinical environment for first year. So it's nice to see the why of going into healthcare and being able to work with patients directly and apply what we learned in class. So I really enjoyed um, doing that, especially so early on. And then fourth year, being able to be treated as like a pharmacist um, and having my own patients and working interprofessionally with other um, healthcare professions was really meaningful. And um, I really enjoyed it. I really like my classmates and um, the professors as well. That's awesome. And that's really cool that they were able to get you that early exposure to like the clinical practice. I know that's like kind of a newer model that they're starting to adopt where there's more touch points with the clinical side of things and a little bit less didactics, at least like broken up a little bit more. Um, I think students tend to, to die digest a lot of that information better once you learn it in the textbook and then immediately go and apply it in the clinical setting. So that's pretty cool that you were able to do that. And so yeah. obviously you're progressing through pharmacy school at that point. And when did you really start thinking about going to medical school? Where did this like crazy idea come from? Right. <laughs> um, so I would say maybe like second year between second and third year or like end of first year going into second. So it's pretty early on where I had a hmm. thought of, wait, maybe I would be interested in pursuing medical school. And the reason why this all started is actually because I started volunteering at a free clinic um, in Chapel Hill. And this was also an interprofessional opportunity with medical students, um, nursing students, social work students. Um, and we would see patients um, once a week and we would be on a team. And so I would work directly with attending physicians and pharmacists. And um, I started to see uh, the longitudinal impact of a physician. And I just started to have the inkling of maybe I might be interested in this. I really like pharmacy, but what about something more? So that was like the first start of, okay, maybe I want to do this and let me figure out if this is even feasible for me um, as I continue on. 
Absolutely. And I found that like that early exposure is really, really important. Um, a lot of individuals that I like, do consulting with um, on the side, they, they realize like, oh, in their fourth year, and that's the first time they've actually like been, you know, in the hospital and done like some of those like clinical rotations. And they're like, wow, I wish I'd known earlier. Um, so it's cool mm -hmm. that you're able to, to kind of have like a little bit of a head start and be very proactive about kind of crafting your, your application to, to get into medical school. And mm -hmm. so you obviously had the idea, you had the interest. So what were the next steps? Mm -hmm. So the first thing, actually, um, I just searched online if there's other people that have done something like this. And that's how I actually found you. Um, and I also found Dr. Tess Calcagno. I think um, she was also a person on your podcast. Um, but actually, so I first had the thought and then I was like, has anyone else done this before? So let me figure it out. So I started looking like on LinkedIn. I started looking on Reddit just to see if it's been done. And if so, how do they do it? So awesome. one thing I was reading, um, Dr. Calcagno, when I was looking at her, she wrote a blog post and it was like figuring out, okay, make sure you have all the prerequisite courses, especially if you've done the six-year program, because there are some classes that you would still need to take. So mm -hmm. I had to figure that out. And then also when to take the MCAT and then how to apply. So it was like a lot of different steps that I did. Yeah, I remember actually reading that article. And that was when I first like got interested mm -hmm. in creating all this like, you know, content. And she was the initial spark. Um, so for any of the listeners who are curious on checking out that episode, it's actually episode number three. Um, and Dr. Calcagno uh, at the time was a, um, a medical student still. Mm -hmm. And she was uh, applying for residencies. And now she's currently at Cleveland Clinic. So uh, mm -hmm. for internal medicine, so she's doing well. Um, all those physician pharmacists. <laughs> right. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so you're right, though, that blog article is actually something that was momentous for me. Um, so it's kind mm -hmm. of funny to see that like full circle uh, effect there. And so you're right. One of the primary things that I, I recommend a lot of people do is start with the MCAT and figuring out how can you get this incorporated into your schedule. And sometimes it's pretty difficult, especially with like the pharmacy curriculum. So how did you go about that? Yeah, so actually, um, between our second and third year summer, a pharmacy school, we have the option to do an internship. And, um, and I think it may vary per school on what opportunities you have, but I actually had a remote internship and this was actually during the pandemic. So I had a remote internship that was very flexible. And so I used that time that summer to really focus on the MCAT. And I looked up a lot of different um, study schedules and uh, different resources that I could use. And I just use it that time, those like three months from May to July to really focus on the MCAT. And then I took it at the end of July with the hopes that hopefully I don't have to take it again. Um, and then left a little bit of window so I could take in my third year pharmacy school if I really needed to. Thankfully, I didn't need to, but I used that summer to really focus because I know most people recommend around three months to study. Yep, exactly. And some people might need a little bit longer. I, I myself, mm -hmm. I ended up, I think I studied maybe like two months the first time around. And of course, I did have to retake it. So that wasn't quite enough for me, but it might be perfect for some people, depending on how much time you can commit to it. Um, mm -hmm. But the second time around, I ended up using six months. So <laughs> mm -hmm. it depends mm -hmm. on you know mm -hmm. what your stu study schedule is like and how well you adapt to the, the new material. And so what resources did you use in particular? Did you go through like AAMC specifically or did you use any third-party test prep? Yeah, so I used the AAMC exams leading up to the MCAT. So like a couple of weeks before, maybe like five weeks before, I just took an exam every week for AAMC. 
but I also used UWorld practice questions. And then um, I used, uh, basically what I did was I looked up every single free possible test that was available, like Kaplan, Princeton, Next Step. Um, and then I would look up how much variation it is compared to the real um, MCAT. And when I first started, I was just taking it to get a feel for sitting for eight hours and mm -hmm. how would I get used to the stamina of that. And then I would supplement with UWorld um, questions. And then the Kaplan book was my main resource. Um, and then leading up, like I said, I just did uh, the AAMC practice questions or the exam to be able to really gauge how my score would be. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a good recommendation right there. There's plenty of free resources available. And if you're able to like find and use those and test well on those particular resources, then like you should be in good shape. Um, so alternatively speaking, you can also utilize like some of the AMC material is paid other stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. you can use like third parties, like, uh, as you mentioned, like Kaplan or, or something, and they have various degrees of like packages and stuff, um, just for our mm -hmm. listeners to, to understand. Um, and so obviously you were studying for the MCAT and that's not very fun at all. So like, what kind of sacrifices did you make? I'm sure everyone was enjoying their, their free time. I guess it was COVID, so they probably weren't doing too much, but. I think I just didn't realize how much time I would need to study. And it was the summer. And I think it was like, it was a time when things were starting to open up again. And so mm -hmm. I definitely missed out on a lot of social things. I think I did one fun thing the whole summer. Um, so I definitely felt a lot of FOMO, but it was more, I kept reminding myself why I was doing it, even though it was very grueling and tiring and exhausting. Um, I was like, okay, what is my end goal? Like, why do I want to do this? Um, and then it helped push me through. And I think I was just very grateful to be just done. Um, and I definitely enjoyed a lot after I finished. <laughs> exactly. It's worth putting in all that effort, maybe sacrificing mm -hmm. your, your quote unquote last summer. Um, you know, mm -hmm. if you get into med school, you still get one extra summer, one but, summer, yeah. <laughs> but, um, theoretically, if you, if you weren't to get in, then it would have been your last summer before you started like a real professional job. Um, right. and so that's a big sacrifice, a big commitment to make. And at the end of the day though, you know, like you said, you got to follow your dreams and ambitions and you don't want to be sitting at the end of that, you know, four years of pharmacy school, wishing you had, you know, done something slightly different. Um, so mm -hmm. it's never too late to go back, but you know, if you have the foresight ahead of time, then you should definitely take advantage of it. It's much better than mm -hmm. doing it during the semester. I can, I can say that from experience. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, so after you got your MCAT score and I, I take it, you did well on it. Um, I can't remember what your, what your score is. You don't have to say, but, uh, what, what came next after that? So after my MCAT. I actually just had to make sure um, that I had taken physics two for at least for pharmacy school. I had not taken physics two. I'd only taken physics one. So that was a prerequisite that I needed to take. So um, I took that. Uh, and then I also, based on the specific schools I was targeting, I also needed to take a statistics class. So I took that online. Um, and then after that, for in terms of what was next, um, I got the MSAR tool. Mm -hmm. uh, for the year that I was applying to medical school, that's something I would recommend to everyone who's applying, um, where you can filter based on your GPA and MCAT, and there'll be schools that align that show up that have that average GPA and MCAT, and you can just choose the schools you apply to and just gauge based on that. 
Yeah, I, I definitely would say that that's probably like the best $20 you'll ever spend. Um, right. It might, it might yeah. be more now. I'm sure it is. But uh, yeah, like you're saying, it, it kind of organizes every program into like these different little categories based on your score. And you can kind of figure mm -hmm. out where am I competitive at? Where am I not competitive at? And it kind of gives you like that, that good, I guess, rough idea of, you know, how many schools you really need to apply to. Um, and so mm -hmm. how many programs did you end up applying to? So I applied to 36. Um, I did 30 MD and then I did six DO programs. Alrighty. And what was the reason for that? Um, I was thinking, um, usually just talking to friends who had applied before, there was a pretty wide range of schools that people applied to. I was hearing like 20, I was hearing 30, I was hearing 15. So I think for me, when I first decided that, okay, I want to pursue medicine, I was thinking, okay, it would be great if I just get in the first time. Let me just choose schools in a broad enough net where I have opportunities to receive admission. So that's why I did some DO programs and then did the the rest of them I chose um were MD. And I did I did the exact thing that I said where I just put in my GPA and MCAT and I did schools that were in that range. So I did like maybe like four numbers um of like plus or minus my MCAT and then my GPA was my higher one. So I did a higher GPA and then chose schools based on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those are two obviously very important medical school, like quote unquote statistics. Um, and then mm -hmm. after you've kind of like made your list based on those characteristics, like the plus four minus four, um, then you kind of have to also tailor and factor in other features. Like, is this in-state, is this out of state and other things right. like that. So I, I have tons of podcasts and, and, um, you know, like blog articles discussing that further. So we don't have to get into the logistics of it. But um, so you applied to quite a few programs though. I think like the national average, it is uptrending, I would say, um, but it's mm -hmm. usually around like 18, 19. Um, now mm -hmm. it used to be like 16, but things have gotten so competitive these days that like you said, mm -hmm. you do not want to do uh, a second uh, term at the application cycle. So awesome. And so what do you think, I guess, like for anyone who's listening in right now, what makes like a good applicant for medical school and what can they do to kind of bolster those features? Um, honestly, something that I heard a lot, which I didn't realize until I started interviewing for medical school was the definition of being well-rounded. Like, what does that even mean? Um, to me, I think a good medical school candidate is someone who is doing things that they're actually interested in and that they've done for a long period of time. So for example, um, if you're doing something clinical, like clinical work, if you've done that for one time, maybe two hours versus doing it for multiple years, I think that that is a very big difference on speaking um, on this experience in medical school interviews. So in every interview, I've gotten asked, like, what clinical work have you done? What community service have you done? And usually, I'm sure a lot of candidates have many of those things. But I think what matters is going deep and uh, being able to speak on a personal experience with something related to community service or something related to a clinical opportunity. Um, I definitely do think that um, if you are interested in medical school, definitely do some sort of clinical work um, and get involved. And the reason why is not just so that it looks good on applications, but it's more that you know what you're getting into and you know what serving people, what that means. Um, it's like, for example, what got me interested in medical school was volunteering at a free clinic because I was actually doing it and I saw that, okay, this is the impact I can have as a physician, and this is what pharmacists are doing, I was able to speak on that in my interviews. And it really showed that I was interested in pursuing medicine because I had done something for it. 
Yeah. And I think that's such great advice too, because not only did you have exposure, like this was a free clinic, you mentioned there were medical students there too. Mm -hmm. And so you were able to actually see like a a lot of people go shadow physicians, which is of course a requirement to get some shadowing hours, but they don't see the behind the scenes, nitty gritty uh, work that a lot of the medical students end up doing, or like that really close hands on some of the attendings will come into the room. You know, they've known these patients for years. They won't do the whole, you know, physical exam or or Mm -hmm. little things like that. So I think you don't, you get like a good exposure, of course, but you don't get the full picture. And so I think that was really important that you were able to talk to some medical students and hear about their perspectives on it. So I think that makes a a very big difference. All righty. And so obviously you got into medical school and you were very, very excited, obviously, to do that. And you had a lot of different options. I I recall, I remember you reaching out to me and you had Mm -hmm. a lot of concerns about like, which school do I choose? So you had so many like good opportunities, respectable programs. and it obviously made the choosing the final program even harder because of that. Uh, it's a good position to be in, um, mm-hmm. you know, but it's also makes it very difficult. So, you know, how did you end up choosing your final medical school and where you are today? Yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely did help me a lot. I think I was very back and forth. Um, I think so. First thing um, that I looked at, I am I was very grateful to have multiple schools to choose from was um, for me, MD versus DO programs. I wasn't as interested in osteopathic medicine and I was fortunate to have an MD admission. So um, the specialties that I were I was looking at were a little bit more competitive. So I was uh, grateful to have an opportunity to choose an MD program. Um, so from the MD schools that I was looking at, I think one big thing that I actually talked to you a, a lot about was the cost of attendance. Mm-hmm. Um, because it seems like a lot of times um, you're preparing for these standardized exams. So ultimately you have to know the similar amount of information that other schools know. Um, and so I was between, ultimately I was between two schools with that were very, that had very different costs of attendance. So one of the reasons that I chose the current, my current school ECU is um, because it is one of the cheapest medical schools in the country. Um, and especially after coming from a pharmacy program where I've already um, spent money and have loans on um, a graduate program already, just having the opportunity to go to a cheaper program was a plus. Um, also, the, uh, the because it is in-state, it was close to home. So having the opportunity to go home, be with my family was also um, a factor. Um, and then lastly, another thing that I was thinking about was matching into a specialty um, of my interest. So currently mm-hmm. I'm not interested in a surgical specialty, but um, the specialty that I was, I am looking at right now, there have been people from ECU that I matched there. So it gave me a little bit of confidence that, okay, it is possible um, even with, even though not as many people have matched, um, people have gone through and have matched the specialty. So I think those were the main factors uh, in choosing the school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I kind of to summarize all those major points Mm -hmm. that you discussed. So cost is obviously very important. A thing that I tell a lot of people is, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter which medical school you go to, your education is going to be almost exactly the same. Um, And so Mm -hmm. you should realistically go to the more affordable program. Um, always, you should always go to the MD program over the osteopathic program, just from a competitiveness standpoint. Um, Mm -hmm. that's not a position I hold. That's just like the statistics of it, unfortunately. Um, but it is getting better at this time. So you, like you said, you chose the MD program because they just have better, uh, match rates in more competitive specialties Mm -hmm. down the line. So you want to give yourself the most opportunity, um, when you get to that point, even if you're not sure which specialty you want to go into, or you're dead set on being one specialty, 
you never know things can change. And most medical students change like three, four times throughout, you know, throughout mm -hmm. their uh, medical school experience. Um, you also mentioned like being close to home support network is huge for medical school. It's, it's a long process and you're just getting started and it's uh, it makes all the difference when you have like those close uh, connections and family support to, to help you through those tough months. Um, and then another feature that I don't think you mentioned, but I, I like to bring up sometimes is also like, you know, personal wellness. And sometimes there mm -hmm. are medical schools that are pass fail. Um, so mm -hmm. not something that you should, you know, kind of hinge all of your decision making off of, but just something to keep in the back of your mind. Like, is this program going to kind of have a better, you know, camaraderie and work life balance when it comes to kind of getting through the, the program? Some schools are, you know, objectively pass fail. Other schools are kind of like, we are pass fail, but we're really not behind the scenes. And then there's other mm -hmm. ones that are just like cutthroat and you, you kind of first in the class and last in the class. So things to, mm -hmm. to kind of keep in mind for sure. But obviously you made it past that point and you chose ECU. So you're very happy with that decision. So we'll get into, uh, I guess, like the logistics of, of medical school. And so you obviously, you picked your program. And I also remember you were talking about like this life impacting like decision of you got in, you chose the school mm. and then you sat down and you were thinking to yourself, okay, now do I really want to do this? Yeah. Because I've proven to myself, I've proven to everyone that I can get in and I've done, mm -hmm. I've done the, I fought the good fight at this point. So I guess I like, can you walk us through like what was going through your head at that time? Yeah, it was definitely a lot of back and forth. Um, because I had a job offer too. And I was thinking, should I just take the job and do that? Or should I just go to medical school? It was a lot of back and forth, back and forth. And I talked to a lot of people about it. Um, but actually one of my friends, he gave me really good advice and he was thinking, or he was just saying, cause he's uh, in medical school right now too. And he was just putting it into perspective for me that if you think about it, a lot of your life is going to be your job. Like if you go nine to five or whatever your hours are, he was think saying to me that a lot of your life will be your job. And then you will, um, after that, you can do whatever you want with your time. But he was like, the way I see it is if a lot of my life is going to be my job, I want to do something meaningful with it and something that I will enjoy every day. And he's like, I know I'm putting in a lot of effort right now, but I know that in the future, I will enjoy every day that I go into work and not think about, okay, when am I going to get out? And so that really put into perspective for me that, okay, I feel like I really care about medicine and um, I really want to enjoy my job and I feel that medicine will help me get there. So that was one of the reasons why I ended up doing this. And I'm really glad I did so far. I'm really happy with it. So just that was just something that he said to me that I always remember. Yeah. And I think uh, in episode 15, I spoke with uh, Jamie Wilkie and she described it as kind of like the golden handcuffs where you you get this nice job offer. They pay you pretty well. Um, but at the end of the day, you are very un unhappy with like your kind of disposition mm -hmm. in the healthcare system. You're working in a community pharmacy or wherever where you're feeling like you're not making that kind of impact or clinical I guess, like connection with the patients that is the whole reason you went into pharmacy in the first place. Um, so it's it's very easy to feel like you're in like a cog in a wheel. And so having, mm -hmm. I guess, like that, the courage to kind of accept that reality when they're kind of dangling this nice $150,000 salary right in front of you. Right, um, right, right. I, I understand that, believe me. <laughs> um, but no, I think that's, it's also something like you have to, you're sitting on the sidelines for four years and you have to watch all of your friends go on, finish the residencies. Uh, who maybe those who didn't even do residencies who are 
you know, four years out and they're already buying houses and getting married. And it's a very different, like, kind of like life course that you're choosing Mm -hmm. by making this big step. So I think a lot of people have also struggled with it where you've done all this work, like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, and then you get to the end and then it's like, uh oh, now I have to commit to another four years and then residencies. And now I'm sitting on the end of medical school, like, oh man, residency four years again. (laughs) So it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting, I don't know how else to really describe it, but it's, um, it's a, it's a very, I guess, like wonderful journey nonetheless. Mm -hmm. So Anyway, so let's kind of talk a little bit more about medical school now. This is a, like the kind of get to the meat of the conversation and what everyone likes to to really hear about. So what has mm-hmm. medical school been like for you so far and how does it really compare to pharmacy? Yeah, it's um, I've been describing it to people as initially it felt like a lot. And then now I feel like I've gotten a little bit of the hang of it now after a semester in. Um, I think I definitely reached out to you to figure out how do I even handle all of this? Like, I think the first month was definitely felt like information overload, where mm-hmm. I was just thinking, how do people remember all this information? Just the volume is a lot. And um, it was definitely different from pharmacy school, because in my pharmacy school, we would have exams per subject. And mm-hmm. here in medical school, we have a full exam uh, with all the subjects. So it was definitely different in that way, where in pharmacy school, I would study for one subject one day and we have the exam and then I would study for the next subject. So I felt like my time management had to change a little bit in terms of how I was studying for everything, because in medical school, I have to study for everything all the time. And then for pharmacy school, I could just split my time and study based on when I have exams. Um, and I think overall, it was just adjusting to the volume of information and then figuring out how can I remember and apply it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point too. Cause like you're, that's a, I never really thought of it that way, but I guess like pharmacy school, like you're right. It is in these like little block segments and not Mm -hmm. despite being in all like maybe six different blocks at a time or six different courses, all the exams don't necessarily line up right away. So you can kind of compartmentalize and prioritize what you actually need to know. You might have a busy Mm -hmm. week that week and then you learn the next, you know, and then you kind of shift over and do the next thing after that. Mm -hmm. Um, so Mm -hmm. I, I think that's pretty interesting, a good way to look at it. And you're right. There certainly is a lot of volume. I think the first, first year, first semester is one of the harder ones, just because like you said, it's that adjustment, but then people kind of settle into their, I guess, like their little niche where they figure out what works for them and what doesn't. And I felt like in pharmacy school, there was usually just like one or two ways to really study. And that's what everyone did. You, everyone would mm-hmm. download the PowerPoints and that's what you would read off of and mm-hmm. take your exams mm-hmm. or you would go read mm-hmm. a textbook. Um, but now it's, there's like a million different resources and no way is like the best way. You know what I mean? Like there's Anki, there's UWorld, there's uh, just reading off of the, the lecture notes, there's download, like getting textbooks and stuff as well. So a lot of different resources that individuals use and you kind of have to sample all those different things. I don't know if that's like similar to what you've, you've seen, but. Yeah. Um, so I think every classmate of mine studies in a different way. So it's, I think it's just like everyone has done their trial and error and we're still doing trial and error because we just switched to another block. So just figuring out what works for you, I think is a big thing because sometimes it's easy to say, oh, this person does this. And so I should just do it. But every person learns in their own way. And 
figuring out how many times you need to see the information for it to stick or do you need to do practice questions more do you need to do Anki more so just it's just trial and error until you figure out like oh I'm getting these things right okay I understand it yeah absolutely and another feature I guess that is a little different too is I remember in pharmacy school maybe you had a different experience but you you have four years with pretty much the same professors and teachers that kind of cycle through and teach different things. Mm -hmm. And you get really accustomed to like what, how they're going to test you and what they like to prioritize mm -hmm. versus medical school. You'll have 18 different professors come in and teach like one lecture. And then they have like four questions on their, their slides. You have no idea what they're expecting or what they're going to ask you about. And so I found like that was also kind of like challenging at points. Cause you're like, I have no idea what this individual prioritizes or values more. But then this one over here, you know, does this and that. So another kind of like little nuance of, of medical school that, and you're, after two years, you don't see any of these professors anymore other than like on clinical sites and it's usually different mm -hmm. faculty. So it's kind of an interesting mm -hmm. experience. Very good. So anyways, so you're progressing through medical school right now. Have you taken anatomy yet too? Yeah, that was our first block. We did all of anatomy in four months. It was a lot. <laughs> And how, how was anatomy? I, I know that's kind of like the big class that everyone likes to talk about for, for medical school. Cause it's like the make or break. Mm -hmm. Um, it was definitely a shock. I will say to do cadaver lab. Um, at first, I think none of us were really prepared for working so closely with the cadavers, but I think with time we developed an appreciation for the human body, at least for me, like seeing what I'm learning and then being able to say, oh, this nerve goes here. And then you can actually visualize it on a cadaver. And then you can think about it like as you're taking the exam. I thought that was very interesting. And I think, honestly, a lot of people in my class are interested in surgery now because of cadaver lab. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people, but um, a lot of people in my class. I, I thought it was a very interesting class. I think I'm glad to be done. But it, it was definitely a lot of my friends call it like the rite of passage for medical school. <laughs> yeah, that that surgery bug will disappear pretty quickly. It's <laughs> once they get to third year, then they'll know if they're they're ready or not for surgery. Really? Yeah. And though some of them, I guarantee you, they'll be they'll be ready to go, but not every one of them is going to make it past. They're going to be like, right. oh my gosh, OR, this work life schedule? <laughs> no, no, thank you. No. <laughs> Awesome. So, and then, yeah, anatomy, it's kind of like just kind of an anecdotal story is I'm, I'm actually going back into the anatomy lab. So it's kind of like the full circle where like, it was my first class in medical school. And mm -hmm. now it's going to be possibly it's my second to last class in all of medical school. I'm doing like advanced wow. dissection. So it's kind of a fun where, where I'm doing anesthesia. And so I'll be doing like airway, like kind of dissection and stuff like that to better learn the anatomy. So it's kind of a fun little tip right there. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so you're finishing, I guess you're starting today was your first day of second semester of first year. So what kind of classes are you looking at this, this semester? Yeah. So I am in neuroscience, um, physiology, behavioral science, and microbiology and immunology. So it's a lot of different courses. Um, the way we do it is like, we're taking all of them just for our second block. So we'll finish spring break, which is like end of March. Um, so we have like pretty long blocks. And the way it's structured is this block, we have class usually like eight to 12. Um, and then we have the rest of the day to study and just catch up on things. Um, and then sometimes we'll have like neuroscience lab as well. 
Very good. Yeah, I found the second semester of first year to be the easiest semester of all of medical school. So hopefully uh, that's the same for you, or maybe they're all easy after this. I don't know. but <laughs> I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. I think it's because you get adjusted to things and like it's the, I didn't think the material was as complicated. Uh, anatomy is such like a beast of a, I guess, a class because it's especially as a pharmacy major, you're not exposed to to any of that real mm -hmm. in-depth gross anatomy. Um, so that can be certainly a challenge. But these courses, you start to get more clinical, hands-on, like pharmacy-based stuff. Even like micro, those are like a lot of the bacteria, mm -hmm. the gram-positive, negative stuff. Like that's that's ingrained in us because we know the antibiotics that treat all of it. So mm -hmm. it's uh, I think you'll have a better time this semester for sure. <laughs> and so yes. you, you get a summer off. Is that right? This is the one summer off. And then you will start up on like your clinicals and, and whatnot in their third year. So do you have any special plans? Mm -hmm. Look, I guess like coming up for that, like any research or anything like that. Um, I'm planning to do research. Um, just finalizing what I want to do. But um, definitely going to do research. I've just reached out to a couple of people and hoping to finalize that soon. But I do really like doing research. So I want to use my summer um, definitely doing that. Absolutely. And I guess like what are you looking forward to most about medical school now that you've gotten your, your feet wet at this point? Um, I think I'm looking forward to how I can integrate medicine and pharmacy together. Uh, we have our pharmacology block in block three. So in April, we'll be doing pharmacology. So I'm just interested interested to see how it's taught in medical school and um, how I can also be a resource to my classmates um, and just synergize the um, combination of the two. I feel like I'm definitely an advocate. My classmates are probably tired of hearing me uh, advocate for pharmacy because I just feel like pharmacists are very underutilized um, and the healthcare mm -hmm. team in the hospital. So being in this position, I want to advocate for the pharmacists and also just mix what I know with current medical school knowledge as well. Awesome. And do you foresee yourself like being like a preceptor to pharmacy students in the future or like staying connect connected with the community? Yeah, I definitely want to do something with pharmacy if possible. Right now, I just work as a floater for Walgreens. So um, definitely keeping up my license in some form, um, whether that be precepting or um, doing some sort of like supporting pharmacy students in whatever form that is. Um, I also just want to stay in touch with both things, especially because I've done four years and um, I want to keep my license up. So. Awesome. And when did you end up taking like your pharmacy boards? Uh, that was going to be like my next follow-up question. Yeah, so it was really fast. Um, I graduated in May and then I took my boards in June and then I started medical school in July. So <laughs> it was very fast. So no summer then. <laughs> no summer. <laughs> Practically no summer at least. Yeah, I this ended up doing This is my the same summer. <laughs> you did the same <laughs> thing, yeah. Yeah, so that was tough. I, I definitely felt a little burnt out, um, you know, Me when too. I was first starting medical school. And that's obviously uh, not very good, especially when a lot of people have been <laughs> off for almost like all of their fourth year at that point. Everyone takes like electives and, and a bunch of like random yeah. classes that aren't relevant or challenging. So I think we, we definitely had a tougher start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, all right. And so you end up taking your pharmacy boards. Do you plan on like working quite a bit throughout medical school? Um, I want to work usually right now. I just work once a month. Um, mm -hmm. but as I get more adjusted to school, I'm hoping to increase that. And then during this break, I worked a lot. So just, um, whenever I can working, um, 
And I feel like they know the vlogging scheduler knows that I'm very sporadic. So I think she's mm -hmm. used to me just messaging her like, Oh, I can work this hour. or I can work this hour. So, um, I do want to work as much as I can. Um, but for me, like definitely school is a priority and making sure I'm on top of that and then adding more things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from like, I guess a hindsight perspective, considering like I did work quite a bit throughout mm -hmm. medical school myself. Um, and having like gone through residency interviews, like it certainly is something like you can add to your residency application. And it came up a few times like, wow, you were working in medical school. Like that's, that's crazy. You know, like no one does mm -hmm. that. Um, and so it's definitely something that can help. Also, it kind of shows that you can not only like work and hold down like with good time management skills, like work in a pharmacy, but it also shows that you're able to like handle conflict and in a, I guess, like a appropriate way. And some of the candidates who might be interviewing right next to you have never worked a job in their life. And so I think that mm -hmm. kind of speaks magnitudes to uh, the way that you're able to kind of handle those challenges, uh, especially like being in a pharmacy position, you're not only like working, but you're supervising. And so that mm -hmm. can go a long mm -hmm. way. Um, and I guess my only like, you know, regrets about working so much was that it certainly, you know, I wish I had gotten more involved in like other opportunities like research or other things. Like once you've worked a certain amount, you kind of hit that, you check that box and you don't need to necessarily continue on or go as aggressively. One shift a month, perfect. You don't need to do 12 shifts a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, all righty. So we're getting towards the end of our interview right now. And I'm just curious, I think you mentioned it already, but I just want to re, um, I guess like ask you again about it, but like what specialty are you considering in the future and why? Yeah, similar to you. Um, I'm thinking anesthesia right now. Um, I think a lot of it is because of the heavy focus on um, knowing drug mechanism of action, like the pharmacology of medications. And um, one thing I know for sure right now is I'm not interested in surgery, but I like being in the OR. Um, mm -hmm. And so having the opportunity to be a part of the team um, and also make real time changes, I think is very exciting and keep, will keep me on my toes. Um, something else that I actually really like about anesthesia is the opportunity to do outpatient and inpatient as well. So, mm -hmm. um, for example, like doing a chronic pain fellowship, you can work outpatient. Um, and <clears throat> I think it'd be awesome to kind of like ideal life be doing some outpatient and some inpatient medicine and just having something different every week um, to look forward to and um you're always just learning something new and basically like creating a specific like plan per patient so i really like all of those things i definitely um am planning to shadow a lot of anesthesiologists this semester um and figure out what uh the nitty-gritty day-to-day is like um but so far that's definitely what's interesting me awesome love to hear it <laughs> Alrighty. So we are getting to the end of our interview and I just have a few of our final questions here. Um, these are pretty much the same questions I ask at every uh, interview at the end. Um, and so how do you maintain a work-life balance in this demanding profession? Um, and do you have any tips for others striving to achieve the same balance? Yeah, I feel like this question is really important. Um, and I feel like I always ask other physicians and pharmacists, like, how do you manage so many things at once. Um, I think something that I like to do is, uh, for me, like working out is very important. And so, uh, I made it a goal to myself for at least 30 minutes a day, no matter how busy I am, I will do something. So if that's walking, if that's going to the gym, um, if that's just 
I don't know, moving for 30 minutes, whatever that is. Um, that kind of helps me come back to, if I feel like I just have so much going on. It just helps me come back to like who I am and, um, kind of maintain a little bit of balance, um, and just figure out, okay, let's just go back to focusing on this workout. And then we'll go back to like the busyness of regular life. Um, and then also just staying in touch with, so family is very important to me. So just calling my family every day, even if it's for five minutes, just uh, reminds me that there's other things besides just medical school. So just kind of like removing myself from the bubble of medical school that I feel like I can get lost in, um, helps me keep a balance. And I know that some days I'll be more busy than others, but just doing a couple of things just for myself every day has been really helpful. Absolutely. And it kind of demonstrates like that discipline where you are able to walk away from medicine after you've done your, you know, eight hours of studying. That's it. You don't need to sit there mm -hmm. and cram an extra four more hours and be unproductive with those four hours to the point where like your eyes are falling out of your head. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's nice to just go touch grass, like go exercise, go do something that interests you. Um, because that can really go a long way and kind of lead to even better results. Um, actually, I was on a podcast earlier tonight with uh, Kat Schmali, and uh, she was talking about how having those interests outside actually have been shown to decrease burnout rather than staying and working in the clinic the whole time. So like individuals who go and do you know, eight hours of work, but don't have any interest outside of that, end up having a higher rate of burnout than those who maybe work the same amount of time, but then go and do something like with their family or go exercise or so on, uh, instead of mm -hmm. like sitting and watching Netflix. Um, so right. just kind of an interesting, you know, anecdote there as well. Um, and alrighty. So then our second to last question, uh, do you have any last minute recommendations to students or graduates interested in pursuing a career similar to your own? Um, I think one thing I would just advise is, especially if you're thinking about switching from or doing pharmacy and then medicine, if you're in pharmacy school right now and interested in pursuing is um, make sure you have a strong why, um, because one is you're definitely going to be asked. But more than that is when you're really busy and you have a lot going on, I know I'm going to get busier is just reminding yourself of why you're doing this in the first place, because I think it's easy to, like you mentioned earlier, see your friends getting houses, see your friends settling down and wonder, oh, did I make the right choice? Like, I don't know if I did. And then you can go back to what is your why and why did you decide to do medicine? Um, so you can remind yourself of the reason you're doing it in the first place. Just make sure that if you're very interested in medicine, be able to articulate that to yourself more than anyone else because you have to go through it. Absolutely. That's, that's great advice right there. And to finish things off right now, what are your personal, professional, or business-oriented goals that you'd like to accomplish in the next five to 10 years? It could be all of them or none of them. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think ultimately what I would, I'll probably answer more like on the professional side because I've been thinking about this. Sure. Um, it would be interesting to do like I mentioned, like outpatient and inpatient medicine, but also get involved in clinical trials. Um, I think I'm very interested. That's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to go to medical school was to do clinical trial research. Um, I think that clinical trial medicine is very powerful because you get to see the impact of a potential medication or um, therapeutic outcome. Like you get to see it 
um, in real time as the PI or like the physician in charge of the trial. And you get to see um, the advancements of clinical medicine um, in front of your eyes. So I think professionally, I'm very interested in going into the clinical trial space um, long term and um, doing that along with uh, seeing patients. Absolutely. So you're kind of at like the the frontier of medicine where you are kind yeah. of driving, you know, advancements in healthcare, whether it's like adding data to this drug doesn't work or this drug does work. It's, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Um, so definitely a lot of bright things in your future for sure. Mm-hmm. All righty. So we have come to the end of our interview today, and I'd like to thank all of our listeners for the support. If you have any additional questions about the medical school journey, check out my website at www.physicianpharmacist.com. As a reminder, we are actively looking for additional podcast guests to interview on the show. If you believe you have a unique story that could be beneficial to listeners or know someone who would be a quality candidate, please reach out to me personally on LinkedIn or leave a message on my website. Before we let you go, how can our listeners learn more about you or get in touch? Um, my LinkedIn, uh, I can share that as well. So you can just reach out to me via LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect. Fantastic. And that'll be dropped in the, the show notes below. Um, so if you have any questions um, for Isha, I'm sure she'd be happy to, to answer any of those. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I, I recognize you're obviously extremely busy. You just had your first day of second semester. So I'm glad you were able to, to kind of scoop out a little bit of time for me and this episode. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Alrighty. Take care.